1: Hello, TSF family, and welcome to Episode 7 of Season 6 of This Spiritual Fix. Today, we are doing our second portion of Human Design, where we will be talking about your centers and your profile. Enjoy. Hypnosis. Mindfulness. Meditation. path This Spiritual Fix, Two Mystical Mamas Hacking the Self-Help Game, with Anna Stromquist and Christina Wiltsy. Hello, Anna. Hey, Christina. How are you? I am good. It's gotten cold here finally in central Georgia. (laughs) It is.
0: And for anyone who listens to us on the regular, you're going to notice that my voice is a little raspy and I'm a little bit sick, which is a four-letter word in my book, but I'm making some chicken soup and I should be feeling better soon. And um, I thought for today's prelude, we could talk a little bit about the chicken soup. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So the chicken soup might be triggering if you are vegan, vegetarian, or anti-Semitic. And there seems to be a lot more of the latter. So I hope that no one is offended by this recipe here that I'll just talk about for a bit. But I really love to cook. And I think it's a wonderful way to share and just be with family and friends and certain recipes. If you have a memory of eating it in your childhood or your grandparents making it, or it has a Ethnic or cultural history to it, it always feels so much more comforting to eat. So, this is, I'm just going to show Christina. This is my Jewish penicillin. And it's actually like a great recipe when you're sick. I think there are studies saying that chicken soup increases your immune system when you're sick. And I like to add fresh dill and lemon at the very end. So, it just has this light, yummy tang. I love to make it because it's one of those meals in my family where everyone will eat it, but my kids, both my kids will eat matzo balls. Only one kid will eat noodles. So I'm going to make matzo balls with it at the end. And um, one thing about it, and I'm going to go into like the recipe a little bit and I'll put it in the show notes. But one thing I love about this soup is that I have like over time come to just tweak it and tweak it and tweak it. And I've mastered it that it's the fastest, cleanest way ever. So the first thing I do is I use an Instapot. Anyone who cooks, an Instapot is a must if you want to do like one pot cooking. It's super, super easy, super, super fast. I fill it up with onions, garlic, a little bit of ginger, one clove, and then any herbs that I have, not oregano, because oregano and basil are both a little too strong, but like thyme, rosemary, sage, garlic, black pepper, and you just stick it in the pot with an onion and a rotisserie chicken. This is the trick. You buy a rotisserie chicken and not a raw chicken because the rotisserie chicken has all the juices and all these amazing flavors already. And it's just gonna like cut down a lot on the whole process. So you just stick all that in there with your water and you're better than bouillon concentrate. And then you pressure cook for 10 minutes. When you take it out, when you open it, you don't throw away the container the rotisserie chicken came in because you don't want to have to dirty another bowl. So you put that chicken back in the rotisserie like bowl and you strain everything and you throw everything that was all the herbs and the onion in the trash. Okay, that's gone. And now you just have a beautiful soup like broth. Then you take your carrot, your onion. And your celery, however quantity you want, you put it right back in the pressure cooker with this amazing broth that you've just made. You cover the lid and you only pressure cook it for two minutes. It's so fast! And while it's cooking, you skin your chicken, you debone it, you shred it with your fingers. If you wear gloves, like I wear, wear gloves so it's not hot. If it's too hot, you can use a fork, and you just shred that chicken. And when you're Two minutes is up and you vented it. You throw the chicken shreds back in. You add fresh dill, however much you like. And then only when serving do you tweak the salt and lemon, fresh lemon juice. Cause I don't want to freeze that cause it might change the ratio. And then you have your amazing soup and it's super easy and super fast. And then you can add noodles or matzo balls to it. But those you would cook separately and boil those in water. Cause if you boil noodles or matzo balls in chicken broth, they'll get gummy and like slimy. So then on the day of preparation, if you're thawing it, you just, you just heat it up and add your cooked noodles or matzo balls back in. And
1: there you go. Brilliant. Do you quick vent or do you just like allow it to vent for the whole time?
0: Oh, it's always sealed. And it's just at the end when the timer goes off, like when the machine's like beep, it's over. Then I turn the vent on. So sometimes, so I can steam it. And then sometimes I put like half a cup of water back in if I, if I just, I intuitively feel like how much water was steamed out. And then like today I'm making matzo balls and I'm making schmaltz. Have you ever heard of schmaltz?
1: Never heard of schmaltz. No.
0: Okay. So I've never made schmaltz before and I'm just trying it out. I'm pretty sure it'll be good. It's very unhealthy. <laughs> My dad said there are no blue zones in Jewish neighborhoods because of schmaltz. Um, You know, blue zones are like where people live a really long time to a hundred years or something. Oh, I didn't <laughs>
1: know that. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> J- Japan is a blue zone, by the okay. way. Okay. So you basically, you put all the like slimy, fatty skin and all that crap, like not crap, I should say everything, but the bone and the meat, you put all that, that slimy stuff in a jar, a canning jar, and you tighten it, but then you give it a three quarters turn to loosen and you put it back in the pressure cooker with about an inch of water. And then you cover the pot and you pressure cook it for a full hour with the vent closed. And when it's done, the oil will separate from all that. You'll strain it. And then you can use that oil to make your matzo balls and it's supposed to be better. I will find out today if that's true.
1: That's amazing. I've (laughs) I've rendered tallow. From beef fat and I've rendered lard from pork fat, but never chicken. I didn't even, cause I feel like it's like harder to get the, the yeah. fat from it. Yeah.
0: I'm thinking I'll only yield like a tablespoon, so it's fine. And I'm just kind of curious and I'm home all day anyways, cooking, so it's fine. But I wanted to tell a funny story about also the most important ingredient with food is love and how... Like food is nourishment and it's not just nourishment for the body, but when you put love into it, I believe it really does nourish the soul. So what I've been doing, and it's funny because a psychic Lawson, who is a medium told me that I do this. And I was like, yes, I do this. How did you know? Well, he's, he knows cause he's a psychic medium, but I was like, how does he know that I do this? He said, I've always been doing it, but I only started doing it consciously like in the last five, 10 years, but I've always done it. So what I do when I cook, I consciously imagine that there is a, like a string coming out of my heart and I put it into the food. I don't always remember to do this, but I hope that I'm unconsciously doing it all the time. And I put this string of, of this heart love into whatever I'm cooking and I'm going to do it like right now. I'm just mentally making a string and I'm putting it in that pot and I'm just letting love travel there. And and I just imagine that I'm doing that and I am. I believe it is happening, especially since a medium confirmed it. Well, I have a funny story because one time I was making green chili enchiladas and I was like making them for someone who had never had them before. And I said, I'm going to make the best enchiladas they've ever had in their life. And so I did it, but I did like, so many strands of my heart to the enchiladas. And I put them in the oven and I went for a walk. And when I came back, guess what happened? Do you remember this,
1: Christina? I don't remember this. What happened? I remember it was amazing. I don't remember what happened though. The entire casserole dish, which is like a thick glass Pyrex
0: shattered. Wow. The whole oven was like the biggest, goopiest mess. This person didn't get their enchiladas, but like the the pan shattered. It's never happened since. It's never happened before. It was like the one time I put so much, so much love in there. And I was like, oh shit, I need to like dose this carefully, carefully, carefully. And that again was validation that it's, it's real when you put love into your food. So anyways, that is my little chicken soup for the soul. And I will put the recipe in the show notes.
1: That's so wonderful. Thank you, Anna. I really love that too, how you're like, you got to modulate the, well, and then maybe sometimes if you think of it, like food, art, music, all of those different things are containers for whatever intention you put into them. And sometimes they're just like, whoa. Whoa. Whoa, that's a, that's a lot, you know, <laughs> maybe the person just got it directly with your intention, even if they didn't get the enchiladas, you know what I mean? Like it, it transcended the need <laughs> for a medium of food,
0: <laughs> right? Well, they've eaten plenty of my food They've gotten plenty of my love, but those enchiladas were just not ready to handle that level
1: <laughs> or the life. Pyrex wasn't
0: <laughs> right. The Pyrex <laughs> anyways, what are we talking about today? Christina.
1: We are doing the second part of human design, and this time the sound will be better than it was the first time. Apologies, guys. There was a lot of issues that we had with the first one, and I hope that everyone got a chance to learn about their strategy and authority and what their type was. So as a quick recap, we have projectors who are all about guiding the system And they don't necessarily have an energy center for themselves, which uh, of their own energy, a motor center for themselves. So we'll be talking about that today a little bit more. And then we also have the generators and the generators are like the power system of all of them. That includes generators and manifesting generators. And then we also have the manifestors who are just plain manifestors and they're there to initiate the the systems and the projects and then we have reflectors who are there to be the ultimate like assessment of how we're doing and we talked about those four types and we talked about the different authorities which are the different decision making so for those of you to recap we had you know the main ones being emotional and sacral and splenic authorities in which you are using, you have slightly different methods for understanding what your body has energy to do and what is best and like how you're actually checking with your energy system to say yes, no, maybe to whatever it is that's in your path. And then there are a lot of smaller minor ones like waiting a whole lunar cycle, which is something that reflectors do as well as having the right environment or being self-projected where you're just talking and that's your decision-making authority. So If you want to know more about that, you can go back to the first episode. But today, what we're going to be talking about, two other main parts of human design. The first is the profiles and the second are the centers. And so first, we're going to talk about the profiles. And I sent you your human design earlier. And so you've got your chart, which is going to give you two numbers that are on top of each other. So it's three dash six or I'm a six dash two. And it's going to be, and you're going to have two combinations of numbers. And it'll usually say something like role model slash heretic or investigator slash hermit or something along those lines. So that's how you know what your profile is. And you can go to the Jovian archive. This is one of the things that comes in all of the free human design charts that you have. And so I would recommend that you go and you look for that on your human design chart so you can follow along and see what you are. Okay, so the most basic part of this is that profiles have a conscious and an unconscious line. And there are six lines and very similar to in the first episode, I talked about how this human design system is loosely based on the I Ching and its combination with astrology, as well as the Kabbalah and a couple of other things. But the hexagrams, hex meaning six, is that In the original I Ching, there are six different, basically you can combine the different numbers from one to six, and each of those numbers will represent a different uh, tile within or a different combination within the the I Ching. And so I'm going to describe these six lines, they're called the six lines, and one through six. And describe what they mean for you and how it fits your profile, which is another, it just gives you more insight and information as to who you are and how you operate. And it tells a little bit more of a story. So the first number that appears in your profile is what you are consciously doing, right? So it's the thing you have to kind of think about in order to do. And the second number is what is subconscious as in you don't even need to think about it. You're just doing it without even considering it. It's just kind of a natural part of your makeup and you are unconsciously or subconsciously doing it all the time. So that's how you can kind of assess which one, you know, you're more cognizant of because you're probably going to be more cognizant of your conscious line because you're consciously thinking of doing it. And then if you really sit down and think, you'll be like, oh yeah, I do do my second number like all the time. I I constantly do that. So the one, if you have a one either in the first or the second position, it is that of the investigator and the investigator is there to study things deeply and have their research done. They are all about doing research and the research is there to create a solid foundation to allow them to feel secure. Yeah.
0: I have a quick question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if I'm looking at the chart that you got me from Jovian archive, it looks like there's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different shapes representing chakras, right? Or what are those?
1: Yep. So those are centers that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about those in the second half of the episode, but what okay. we're looking at now is that if you go to your chart on the left-hand side and you go down, it'll say like birthday, probably an age and type. It'll say you're like uh, in your case, an emotional projector right underneath type. It says three dash five. So you're a martyr yes. dash heretic. That's what I'm talking about. Right. Right. Oh, now. So it's Let's a it'll, profile.
0: So if someone has a one slash something, that's what you're talking about? That's
1: exactly what I'm talking about. Just making
0: sure I understand. And I'm sure someone else listening is just as lost as me at times. Okay, let's go.
1: (laughs) Wonderful. Okay. So the investigator is all about foundations. They're kind of the equivalent of the Aries in astrology in the sense that they are the foundation. Like they're the very first thing in in, in astrology, right? They're kind of considered the child in terms of how you move along, which we've talked about in Anna's astrology episodes before. And the thing about the investigator is that they need very solid foundations. They're cautious and they like to investigate before they do anything. They like to know all of the details before they initiate or start anything they like to, or get involved in anything. And if something is new or foreign or unfamiliar to them, they will take what time they need to be able, or ideally they will take what time they need to observe and research before participating And that's why they're obviously called an investigator. So I'll give you an example of this. My daughter has a one line in her conscious self, and she will always watch somebody else do something before she would do it. She's not one to like want to jump into doing it immediately, right? And the thing is, is that effectively, when you have a one line, it's all about it's it's very deeply related to survival. Like when, when an investigator is not allowed to do the research that they need to, to feel solid about something, then they're gonna feel their foundations being very shaky, right? Whereas those of us who don't have a one line, we're so deeply unconscious of that. We don't really have a conscious or even unconscious, like just below the surface need for this investigation. We're just like, yeah, I'm just gonna keep going and it'll be fine. And so that is that is where investigators end up on here. Does that make sense? All right. The second line is the hermit. And the hermit is about the need to be alone to nurture your talents and you will be called out to share what you have learned, okay? So the hermit is relatively self-explanatory in the two line, right? The two is that they have a desire to kind of naturally keep to themselves. They also like to stay within their comfort zones. They may have some sort of hidden talent or skill that they are working with, but they are waiting for that to be seen at some point. There are others who are probably more aware of this kind of secret talent or the kind of secrets that the hermit has, maybe even than themselves, especially if the two line is in the second is like is is kind of unconscious, right? they are the walls of the house whereas the one is the foundation the hermit is like the walls and they're very uh, they're similar to the equivalent of like tourists right in that they only are interested in things that they're comfortable with and they again like to kind of keep to themselves and they are also similar to the one in that they're concerned with comfort and security but instead of investigating to feel comfortable and secure they have a tendency to to want to be more hermit-like and kind of come into their own space to be able to do that. There is a level of waiting that comes into being a hermit in the sense that they are always kind of waiting to do something, right? Like oftentimes they're waiting for someone to recognize whatever their skill is. They're waiting for their talents to naturally come forward and, you know, or or sometimes they're waiting to be slapped in the face, right? What, What comes to mind when I say that is like the death of a parent or the death of somebody that, that, you know, bigger events that happen to kind of slap them in the face that says, hey, guess what? You're, it's really important, that you're very conscious and you move out and actually share your talents with the world all right so number three is the martyr it's also called the experiential some people call it in different systems we'll call it the experiential but they're the three lines so if you have a three in the fr- in the beginning or the end and the martyr is you want to find out what works by experiencing it directly right you explore and you figure things out by trial and error Right. And that's why it's called a martyr, right? because it has an ability to really go through and experiment with things and be like, oh, my God, this doesn't work. And they are looking for a variety of experiences. In this case, they're a lot like Gemini's. Right. They're kind of all over the place. They're putting their hands in the cookie jar, every single cookie jar. And this is very much like what the martyr is like. They're like, oh, man, I'm going to I'm going to move. I'm going to change. Everything's going to feel good. And, you know, and, and I'm going to move around in that sense. Um, They're all about stimulation and actively doing and experiencing things. And they live life in trial and error. They take what they've learned in their experiences, and then they usually will do something better with it. Right. And it's only in experiencing it. Can they then come out and say, well, this actually makes more sense. So you have a three line, don't you, Anna? Right. And it just reminds me of like, for you gardening, like you can read all you want about gardening right or cooking right and and you're going to trial and error and like all those tweaks that you just described at the beginning of this is you being a three line right is you trial and erroring and being like what's the best chicken soup that i can possibly make and tweaking it and figuring it out and it and it doesn't matter if you read a recipe that's like this is the best chicken soup ever right because you want to experiment and feel what that feels like and so the hermit builds the walls, the investigator is the foundation, and the martyr is building the staircase up to the next floor. They're not really concerned about survival and security. They just want to build on something new, and they do that by trial and error. They also are usually pretty concerned with wanting to succeed. They're they're really working to, to naturally come out of their spaces and, and see, and, and make some mistakes sometimes. Does that make sense? Is that resonating now?
0: That totally makes sense. I have to do it to understand it. And I've always feel like there's always a better way. I just have to like
1: keep tweaking things. Exactly. And is your, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, is, go your, ahead. is your three, your conscious or subconscious? I can't remember which one is, it. is it the first or the second position
0: it's the first one. So that's subconscious.
1: No, that's conscious. So you're very conscious of it. So it's, that's like the predominant line that you express in your life is that trial and error. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to go on to four. The four line is the opportunist. Your greatest influence is in your friendship network, right? This is like all about like, you are a connector. You are all about community. You are all about like really reaching out beyond the realms of yourself. And if you think about it as the house metaphor, you can see that the four line is actually like, is, is kind of like the building itself. Right. And it's like everything that's put together. That's like, can house other people. It's the most equivalent to cancer which is interesting because, you know, it, it's, it's all about transpersonal relations. It's all about the foundation of how other people should be and your life and how they should go, everything should go. And it's very much kind of the equivalent of almost like the mother. If you think of cancer as like the mother sign, like the mother of the Zodiac that they are interested in really moving into it's interesting because they say that the opportunist is kind of like a, a child in this scenario that they're learning to relate to others and to build social foundations. Uh, and thinking about the name, the opportunist, it makes a lot of sense because it's all about trying to find opportunities, not just for themselves, but also for others. So networking is very big and creating strong relations and and really making that is important. It's interesting because in a similar way, because it's an even, and I won't kind of get into this, but the two and the four and the six are all kind of similar and that they want to, the four is concerned about making connections, but they also need their space. Very similar to what a hermit does. Like they very much need to have boundaries, even if they are very people oriented and they get along with all sorts of different people. They also need very much. So need recovery time. So you're going to be best. If you are actively, if you're, going to, sh- you're conscious for like what it's going to show up on the, on the outside is like you're actively trying to network. And if it's the second number, you are almost accidentally networking all the time and creating connections. Okay. Yeah. Which one are you? I'm a six, two. Oh, we're not even there yet. Okay. I didn't, yeah. Yeah. I didn't we're know. not even how there many, yet. How hmm? many are there? There's six. So okay. we have two more. Okay. Uh, well, cause it's interesting cause my two line is like very much. So I have the hermit in my two and I definitely feel that like my need to kind of be recognized sometimes for the talents and gifts that I have, because I don't necessarily know what it is that I have to offer a lot. So I've had a lot of interesting stuff with the hermit. All right. So the five is the heretic. Some people call it the creative rebel. It's you are mysterious and seductive and others may project their issues onto you and uh, And you are a free thinker and you're here to make an impact, right? So the five, the heretic is they like to be different in the most reasonable way. They are a heretic. They, it's, it's like they do things before it's a fad, right? They have a unique skill and talent to be able to see what is different and to pull whatever is different into their lives they tend to be revolutionary in some way. And it could be something like style or the way they think or the way they do their cooking or the way that they do, whatever it is. It could be art. It could be, you're just doing things a little bit differently. You're finding out different ways to do it. So for you, Anna, the combination, so you have the five line and fives are very similar to Leo. So you actually have not only your sun sign in Leo, but also you have the heretic, which is very equivalent to the Leo because they stand out, they grab attention, uh, and it's also very easy for people, like I was mentioning, to project how they see these fives, like proj- put a projection up on the fives and not necessarily see them for who they are, just see them as the heretic, as the person who's different, as the person who's always going like, to break different barriers. And so it's easy for people to easily misunderstand fives because they're projecting their like fear of people being different onto them. And one of the most prominent fives, I know they had a conscious five line, like their profile was like a five. I can't remember what their subconscious line was, but this person received so much projection from other people, like other people. all of their uh, other people's stuff was projected onto this person. Um, and this person just went on with their life doing the most heretical things, you know, like just just living without any care at all about what people thought. But when it came down to all the people around the heretic, they were just like, Oh my God, this person's so controlling or, Oh my God, this person. So, but it was really just a reflection of the person, the people around them, as opposed to the person itself. And so, you know, heretics are just going to be different. And, you know, if you're, if the five is the first number, then you are consciously doing stuff to stand out. Like you always want to stand out from the crowd. Right. And if you are subconscious then you're just doing it without even trying. Like you're just standing out and people are projecting their stuff onto you and you're just like, I'm just gonna be really, really different and I don't even know. And it reminds me of like, when I say when um, a friend of uh, we house sat for Anna like right in the beginning of when Anna and I first met each other and I went into your kitchen I was like what is this kitchen I was like I don't get it it reminds me of that right like it reminds you of this heretic of just like you're gonna do things the way that you're gonna do them and they're gonna be totally different than anybody else and it's amazing <laughs> and as soon as as long as someone can actually see you that's what's important and then we have the six the six is called the role model. And the six is a really interesting one because I feel like it's the most story-like of all of the lines because it the role model talks about how you have to go through three different phases in life. The first phase, which is usually between, and, and this is, I, I should actually say before I go into the phases, this is the most like Virgo um, because the role model has a tendency to be kind of have an innocent and pure quality, but they're also very detail and routine oriented, which is why it's interesting because, you know, this is the one that has the most routine and kind of what you can expect throughout all the different stages of life. So the three stages that the six goes through is in the first part of their life, usually from around zero to 25 or to that first Saturn return, they are messing up all over the place. They are just they're out there they're kind of try they're kind of trial and erroring everything they're almost taking on the quality of of you know of that trial and error of that that experience of the martyr like you're just really really out there and messing up all over the place and then the second stage is you're coming more into your hermit space which is what they call going up on the roof right you're you've messed up a ton and you're basically spending the next 20 25 years up on the roof, observing and looking at other people make the same mistakes that you made and kind of getting information from that. And then once you come down off the roof, right? That's when you actually step into the role model, right? Because you've messed up, you've observed for basically two huge portions of your life. And then by the time that you get to that, you know, that second Saturn return, probably around 50, 56, something like that, you are in a place where you're actually able to be a role model for other people. And so when you are consciously doing this, you are, you know, looking at, I mean, the thing is, is that even if it is in your conscious line, like I'm very conscious of being a six, like I'm very conscious of the fact that I can feel myself being up on the roof. I feel like there will be a time in 10, 15 years when I probably am like fully confident and not feeling like I have to process anything at all or not feeling like I have to do anything. And and it, and it I'm moving into that. I'm coming down off the roof a little bit even now. But I mean, God, that first move to that Saturn return, so many mistakes, so much trial and error, so much just like living life and making and just really fucking it up a lot and sometimes doing a good job and other times not. So I usually say one of the things that's important is that, you know, we're not here to avoid pain, but I would guess that anybody who has a six line, either consciously or subconsciously in that first or that second position probably may have had a marriage. If they had a marriage before in that, if they had it in that first phase, like it probably didn't last. Right. But when they're, if they're able to have like a marriage or, or long-term commitment that happens in that second period, then that's good. And I feel that with I got, you know, I I joke that in my late 20s, I was constantly traveling everywhere. I was living all over the world. And then all of a sudden, something shifted. And I always used to attribute it to my husband because my husband doesn't like to travel. And I was like, oh, well, I stopped traveling because of that. But no, what actually happened was that I went up on the roof, right? I basically started to observe life as opposed to actively living it. So those are the six lines. Do you have any questions about that, Anna, before we move on?
0: I guess I do because there's 12 signs of the Zodiac, but there's only six lines. Does it have anything to do with the Zodiac? It, the it's zodiac?
1: it's really interesting because I was wondering the same thing. And then I went to kind of go investigate further. It's like, where's the second half, but there wasn't any information. So I was kind of giving people an astrological equivalent because I think it is relatively simple and and kind of similar to that, but but in general, that's where that's kind of where it stops, because I couldn't actually directly tell you where the second half of the Zodiac is in that. Um And I should also mention that the the six I didn't just be very complete. The six is obviously when I say go up on the roof, they are the roof of of the house that we've been building. Right. So we've been building it right. from the foundation all the way up to the walls. And, and they are really that uh, well, for it.
0: From my own basic understanding, like of of what you're talking about, I think it is a parallel in the sense that like the heretic is number five, for example, and it's all about being different. And then Leo unconsciously is trying to be different and Aquarius it's opposite is consciously trying to be different.
1: Oh, that's so fascinating. I totally get what you're saying. So depending on if it's the first or second line, that's how you cover both parts of the Zodiac.
0: I think so. Like what was the first one again?
1: The first one was the investigator, so, so that the would be Aries,
0: Aries, and and Libra. No, that doesn't match because that's more of a Virgo thing. So no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't.
1: Okay. 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 But sorry. Should we no, take that no, out? No. 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 I think it's so good. We? I think it's good to. I I love that we're trying to create this connection between them because obviously your birth sign and like all the things that you like part of your rave chart that gets created in human design is based on the placement of your planets. It is based on Western astrology and not Vedic astrology or any of the other kinds of astrology, but that's, that's the basic way of doing it. So those are the profiles for those of you who would like to know more about what those numbers mean. And so next we're going to be working and looking at the nine different centers of the body. And so this is just to give you guys some background. If you look at your chart and you see all these different colored triangles and squares and all this different stuff, those are the equivalents of the centers. And it's really important and confusing for some people because they're like, well, there's seven chakras, but there are nine centers. I'm very confused as to why there are two extra centers and how do they actually correlate? And the thing is, is that One of the evolutions of human that happened basically back in 1781, according to all of the backlog of human design, is that we moved from being a homo sapien to a homo sapien in transitus, which is a very, again, this is all channeled information, so you can take it with a grain of salt, but the idea is that we didn't just add two centers, we actually split two of the centers into four. And so we'll, you'll kind of hear that a little bit with what we're talking about. The nine centers are the root, the sacral, the spleen, the solar plexus, the heart, the identity center, the throat, the Ajna and the head, right? Okay. So I'm going to go into those in a lot more detail, but I just kind of, for the sake of the conversation of how did the seven become nine, the two that got added, so to speak were the identity center the g center is also called and the splenic center right and so what we find is that the splenic center and the and the sacral center were the ones that kind of split off to create two and then the heart center and the identity center was the ones that kind of split into two there so that's how you got nine and so it's a it's a testament to us as people if you want to say in terms of our evolution that there are now nine centers and not seven, because obviously the chakra system has been around for millennia and the idea is that we've moved from there. And that is, that's where we're going with this. Okay. So if you look at your chart, you will see that there are, depending on how they've stylized it, depending on how they've looked at it, you have a number of centers and these centers are either open, undefined or defined. If they are colored in, they are defined. If they are have like a little red or black line coming into them, but they're not colored in, then they're called undefined. And if they have nothing going into them at all, they are open. And basically the the best explanation I have for this is that when you have a defined center, it's like having a little bit of a confinement in that area in the sense that like, in a lot of ways it's easier because if you have a defined center, you have a sense of your own feeling about something. So I'll give you an example. If you have a defined throat, throat is all about talking and expression. It's one of our expression centers. If you have a defined throat, usually the things that want to come out of your throat are the things that come from you, right? They originate in you. If you have an undefined or an open throat, so the, the box is not colored in that sits at the throat. If you have either of those, you know, either undefined, meaning it has like a a line coming into it, but it's not colored in, or it has no lines going into it all. And it's totally open. That means that you are probably channeling what's happening in the room. That isn't being said what's coming through your other centers, depending on how everything else is interacting in your body. Like you are amplifying what other people want to say you're amplifying what that feels like like for other people in your body it's like the and the way that we can kind of think of it is people who have a defined center are very relatively certain about it so like for instance with the solar plexus that's the emotional center people who have a defined emotional center they are much less likely to be empaths unless there's some sort of ptsd or emotional um, trauma that's happened but they're much less likely to to be empaths because they kind of just know how they feel if you have an undefined center you're moving away from knowing how you feel and instead you are feeling and amplifying everybody else's feelings in the room right or who's in your auric field and if you're open centered it's like the phd of of emotion sensing because you literally have no it's like the difference it's like you literally have no boundaries at all as to what you can feel there's like there's no themes There's nothing confining your expression of everybody else's emotions around you. So it's like the difference between going to college and having a major that's like that, you know, that you want to do that's like defined or going to college and feeling like you're going to do what everybody else is doing, which is like that undefined or just going to college. And there's like literally no classes and you just kind of have to figure it out. That's what like the open center is. So I kind of wanted to describe what it is because. In the past, when I first learned human design, I was really struggling with my undefined and open centers. I felt like, I was like, this isn't fair. (laughs) Like, why is it that I can't, you know, when we get into the splenic center, why is it that I can't feel safe? And I have to be around people who do feel safe, who have defined centers, splenic centers, in order to feel like the rug isn't going to be, you know, pulled out from underneath me. That doesn't seem fair. But what we recognize is that there are gifts in something being undefined and we'll and and so let's let's get into what each of these mean and then what they are and then what kind of it feels like to have an open or undefined what it means to have it not colored in does that make sense hannah it does yeah i i'm glad you're doing all this because it's very complicated <laughs> it is it is complicated and i appreciate you guys i'm trying to keep it as simple as possible and i would recommend that if you want you know the the thing is, is that I'm going to try and describe where they're actually located so that in what shape they are so that you can figure it out. Because if you're looking at a rave chart, it's not going to be like, this is your sacral. This is your root. So I'm going to also try and give you guys an explanation of what those look like. Okay. All right. And what we're going to do is instead of going through them from the bottom to the top, we're going to go through them in terms of the type of center they are, which may seem counterintuitive, but it's actually really intuitive because it helps us understand the basic nature of the centers as opposed to having to remember all nine centers. Okay, we're going to start what is called the pressure centers. These are the crown and the root, which makes a lot of sense because they are literally the pressure that comes from heaven and then the pressure that comes from grounding, right? So you're gonna feel the pressure in the crown, that's going to be inspiration. That's going to be like insight. That's maybe going to be whatever it's coming down from the the crown. And then from the root, you're going to feel the pressure of kind of like adrenaline, if you want to say it. And so, you know, when the crown center is there to look, it basically experiences the pressure to think and to inquire and to bring consciousness into form, right? So very similar to how we would see the traditional crown chakra. And the, the energy applies literal pressure to the mind center, which is the one that's just below it It makes sense. Uh, and it's easy to differentiate between the crown, that top center, and or what's also called the head center and the Ajna, which is that third eye. It gives you the energy to like the crown wants to ask questions where the mind wants to answer them. Okay. And so that's kind of, and, and it, for a lot of people, that can be a confusing thing and I recommend there's so much information online for this. So if if any of this piques your interest or you want to hear more, then I will definitely tell more trying to kind of cover it all in this basics. All right. So the root center is the other pressure center. It experiences pressure for the like to live and to grow and to evolve and to do right. So it's all about it's it, it basically is like when you feel this root center, it's it's obviously located like right down at the very bottom of, it's like it's the equivalent is the root chakra. And it basically will put pressure on the centers that are attached to it, which are the three that go across the bottom. So that root chakra is that square that's at the very bottom of your chart uh, on your body. Okay. And the three that are above it there's a directly above it is the sacral to the left is the spleen and to the right is the solar plexus. Okay. And so the root applies pressure to the sacral center to basically to respond. Yeah. You said to the, the bottom,
0: can I just, okay. The yeah. very, very bottom is sacral and then directly above it is what was it again?
1: Uh, so the root is the very bottom.
0: Oh, root is the very bottom, and then sacral. Yes, and then to the right was the to solar the right plexus. is the
1: solar plexus, and to the left is the spleen. Left is
0: the spleen. Okay, we don't traditionally talk about a splenic chakra, do we?
1: So the the sacral and the spleen split apart to become two when we became nine centered beings. Um, and so the root applies pressure to the sacral center to respond through focus and stillness and to experience beginnings, endings, etc. The root applies pressure to the splenic center to stay healthy, to be ambitious, to correct, and to find purpose. And the root applies pressure to the emotional um, solar plexus to make sense of emotions and to provoke. So, what that means is that the root—you can think of the root and the crown—as they're giving you fuel. They're giving you material in which the other centers can kind of process and do their jobs. And you know, it's—it's a—and very easily, if you kind of think of it as. You literally have pressure coming down from, from the higher worlds and heaven, whatever you want to call it, that's coming into your body and you have pressure coming from the earth to ground and the energy that's involved in that. And so those pressures are basically causing you, they're seeking to connect each other fully in this circuit, right? The head and the, and the root in a lot of ways want to fully connect and everybody has a different circuitry to connect these two centers and and either by being with other people who are going to make their connections or by uh being with trees like trees have these have simpler systems in the same they don't have nine centers but like trees and animals and anything that has a birth date effectively has its own circuitry and when we go into auras with other people we create a connection and a circuitry which makes us feel and 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 moves energy around in different places, but effectively it's that head and that root wanting to connect that basically fuels the experience of being human. Okay, so moving right along, the awareness center. There are three awareness centers. The first one is the mind also called the Ajna center. It is the triangle that is like a cup that is right below that head. So basically there are two triangles at the very top of your chart this, the, the bottom one is called the mind or the Ajna center. It is the mental awareness center. It is all about processing. It's all about, like I mentioned before, is about answering the questions that are presented from the pressure from the head. It's all about concepts and details and getting answers and, and all of that. It's, it's really concerned. It's, it's the one that is, is always trying to kind of come up with some process or thought. Like if you were to consider what is the mind, it really is the closest to what I would call like the mental body. Like it's kind of always feeling and it's always coming up with ideas and coming and, and what that looks like. And then the next one is that spleen center. Okay. So again, when you're looking, you have the two boxes at the bottom. If you go over to the left, it is the triangle that is on the left. And the spleen is all about physical awareness. So it's in charge of instinct, intuition, fear, your immune system. And, and basically, and it connects with so, so many different, it connects. I think it's the one that connects with almost the most of them because it connects with the throat. It connect, it connects with the sacral and the, the identity center, the G center and et cetera. Like it kind of, it, it, connects to a lot of the different ones it was also the original awareness center that we had so when we weren't nine centered beings the original center that we had was the splenic center and it really determines a lot about how we feel as uh, our sense of survival right like our sense of how we feel safe in the world and how our physical health is showing up in the world and then, and so, and it also corresponds, if you remember in the first episode, if you have a splenic authority, that is, that means that your spleen is defined, it's colored in. And that's, and, and maybe one of the other ones isn't, and that's the one that's left over. Going over to the other awareness center. The other awareness center is the emotional solar plexus center. It represents your emotional awareness. So your emotions, your feelings, your sensitivity, and it connects to a lot of other different things. The most recent evolution in terms of of awareness centers, this is the last one. And this one is interesting because, you know, like I mentioned in the first episode, if you have an emotional authority, you're literally going through this wave and it takes you days and days to maybe figure out what it is that you want to feel about something, because that is the nature of this awareness center, right? Is that it's aware of the emotions that are around it. And it is, and it has to move through a wave to, in order to kind of understand what that awareness actually means for the body. All right. So the next one down are the expression centers. Expression centers are also known as the manifestation centers. It's where our energies are flowing to to be ultimately expressed in our human form. There are only two expression centers in our systems they are the throat center and the heart center. The throat center, is where the majority of our energy flows to, right? Because it's like kind of sitting there in a center and it's basically the square that sits below the two triangles at the top. It's where everything starts to split off into that bigger triangle. Does that make sense, Anna? Yep, okay. And so the majority of the energy and the body graph, which is what this, another word for what this is, flows to that place. It has the energy of expression in terms of emotional desire, self-intuition, life force. And it's all about communication and action. It's all about- How are these things moving out into the world? Because so often it's it's through our voices and our communication that we're able to express these things. That is the throat. The heart center is also an expression center, and it's about bringing resources to the material plane for, for their survival of self and community. Basically, it's called the ego center as well, which is interesting because it's all about how are you expressing your ambition to create something physical in the world? Whereas the throat is all about the expression of ideas and something that doesn't necessarily that that may end up creating something, but it's more about less material things. The ego and the heart center is all about the material. And how are we expressing that in the world? All right. So then we come down to the motor centers. The motor centers are the energy that is needed to manifest and to bring forth and express. There are a number of different motor centers and they are all have a different theme and a different purpose for how they are bringing energy into the system. And if you don't have one of these centers, it doesn't mean that you don't have access to it. It just it means that it's not consistent, right? So we talk about it in a more simplistic form when we talked about projectors and about how they didn't have a source of energy. They just don't have a source of consistent energy. So they are best to have consistent energy when they follow their strategy, which is to wait for the invitation. But it doesn't mean they don't have access to it. So I just wanna be really clear about that now that we're getting more into these details. All right, so this is where we have one of these centers, which is purely a motor center. Okay. And that's, that's its only job, right? Is to be, is to be the motor. And that's for generators and manifesting generators. If your box that is just above your root is colored in, that means that you have this sacral center defined. It means that you have consistent access to this energy, which is the vital life force energy. It's all about reproduction, sustainability, sexuality. It is all about I am going to like, it. it is a pure force of, like I said, vital force energy. The heart center is also a motor center, but it's a motor center for the will, right? So, and, and this is the first time that we're seeing that something can be two different types of centers, right? So it's also, it's an expression center and it's also a motor center. And so the heart, the, the will motor center is all about bringing the energy needed to bring forth material resources. So very similar to how it expresses, it also has a motor to be able to bring things into, to bring resources forth. The next one is the stress motor center is the root center. So again, it has two roles as well. And so aside from being a pressure center is also a motor and it provides the energy of stress as a fuel for life, which is momentum and adrenaline right? So if you, uh, and we'll get into this in this last part when we talk about undefined, but if you were to have an undefined root center, for instance, you would amplify the energy of all those people around you as momentum to carry forward into life. All right. And then the last motor center is the emotional motor center, which is that, again, that, triangle on the right. It's the solar plexus center. It has two roles as well. We talked about how it is a awareness center and it is also a motor center. And as a motor center, it, it gives you the energy to go through emotional experiences, to process and to feel. And and it basically gives you the moment, the, the energy to go through that process, that, that up and down. And oh my gosh, I'm in this wave. All right. And now we get to the last of the centers, which is the direction center. Basically, the direction centers are what is it that is giving you forward momentum in a specific direction? Like what is giving you the intelligence and the information to go forth? And so the first direction center is the consciousness direction center, which is the crown center. We talked about that before. So you can see how the crown center is a pressure center, and it is also a direction center. It is a direction for individual and collective consciousness. It's directing us as to what the collective consciousness wants and needs. For those who are channels, you probably feel this directional center of like, oh my gosh, I feel like this is where the world wants to go. The second is the purpose and love direction. So this is the the G center, which is the only one that we haven't talked about yet, which is the diamond that sits straight in the middle of that body graph. Like you'll see it's a diamond and it sits below the throat and above the sacral. And it is all about providing direction for purpose and love. Like how are you gonna find your purpose and how are you gonna find love in your life? And then the last direction center is the heart, uh, which is again, as we can see this theme in this heart, this ego, this will center, the heart center is the material direction for how to provide form for the material. And so those are the centers using the understanding of them as what they kind of come into the world to do. And I'm going to simplify this a little bit because I'm going to describe for you guys in the last part, what it is that we're moving from this very... Uh, like what it means to have them defined and then what it means and feels like for them to be undefined in your life. So Anna, before we go into this with Mm -hmm. the undefined and defined, what centers do you have that are colored in and which ones do you have that are not colored in? Okay,
0: so let me make sure I understand this. If I look at the top, going to the first one Mm -hmm. is white. Mm
1: -hmm. The second
0: one is white.
1: mm -hmm.
0: And the third one, which I think is the emotional center,
1: the third one, which is that square is the throat.
0: Oh, the throat is colored. And yeah. then below it is the emotional center.
1: Nope. The below it is the G center. That oh diamond gosh. is the G center. Sorry.
0: Sorry. The below it is the G center Uh huh. and that's colored. And then to the right, the little tiny triangle is the emotional center.
1: That's the ego. That's the heart center.
0: Eh, the heart center. Yeah. And that's colored. Mm-hmm. And then my spleen and solar plexus are colored but my sacral and root are not colored.
1: Right, right. And so for, if you if you ever get into the mechanics of human design, Anna is basically saying that the whole kind of, she's got her throat, her G center, her ego, her, or, or her heart, her solar plexus and her spleen are all defined, but she doesn't have direct connection to that sacral, which is what makes her a projector. It's one of the things that makes her a projector, right?
0: And, and why, how is being a projector related to the sacral? Like I know- I just think of the sacred girls being the grunter, right? Like the people who grunt. Yes. Like
1: what does that mean uh, that I don't have that? It it just means that it just don't mean that you don't have a consistent access to vital life force energy unless you're in partnership with another person through the invitation.
0: So I'm a vampire.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I think that there are people projectors who don't follow their strategy of waiting for the invitation can come across as vampires, yes. But when you follow your strategy, you don't come across as a vampire at all. Um, I like it. Yeah. And then for me, so, so y'all know I have, I have a defined, uh, excuse me, um, G center, ego, solar plexus and sacral. So those four on the kind of middle and the right side are all defined for me and everything else is undefined and it makes it really difficult in a lot of ways. And I'll explain that as I kind of get through what it means to have an undefined and a defined as to what that feels like. Okay, so we're going to tar- start at the top this time so that we can not jump around and everyone can know. The very top triangle is the head center. When you have a defined head center, meaning it's it's colored in, you have a mental pressure to think, you have the energy to think through your doubts, and you have a ca- capacity to be inspirational, and you also can probably have a pretty interesting perspective. If it's undefined, you usually will take on and amplify the thoughts of others you may have a tendency to feel overwhelmed and you may put pressure on your shoulders to act on things that don't concern you and are not your responsibility. So for those of you who like to get ideas and you're like, it maybe the idea just comes in through your head center and you're like, oh my God, I want to start an app. I mean, God, how many ideas have I had like this over the years? I want to start an app that does this and this and this. And then you just start to realize that that's just coming through your head because you're amplifying the thoughts of what are in the environment and it actually isn't any of your business. You're not supposed to do it. Okay. So if you have an undefined head center, the question to ask yourself is, am I trying to answer everybody else's questions? And this is, and and as I say that one of the things that's really important in this whole understanding of defined and undefined is that we recognize that All of us in the way that common society operates are usually like the standard way of thinking of how someone should act is normally how someone with a defined center in this area does act. And so it can be really difficult to have an undefined center because you're susceptible to the conditioning of someone who has a defined center. So I'll give you an example say that your parents are the type who always make promises all the time so this promises is directly related to the heart center right and say that your parents always made promises all the time and they kept them and it was like really wonderful and consistent for you to experience that and then as you grow up you're like well my parents taught me that i need to keep promises like i need to make promises all the time like that's my job right but then you have a different design than they, they do. And actually you get into a really bad condition state when you try and make promises. Like you're not supposed to, right? Like that's how they, that was their strategy for how like they they did very well. They they needed to, it was part of their development to make promises and to keep them. But for you, guess what? That's not your job. Your job is not to make promises. That's, that, that's just not it. Am I supposed to make promises? I don't uh, think so.
0: Do you have your heart center colored in? that's the fourth one
1: down, right? It's the little triangle. It's a little red triangle. You do have it. Oh, so yes. you are supposed to make promises. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. So next down from that top triangle, the second one down is the, uh, the second trial down is the Ajna center. This is the center for it's about conceptualization and analysis um and it's also linked to the pituitary gland very similar to what the third eye is if you have a defined ajna center it's about how you think you feel confident in your opinions that they are your opinions and you have a consistent way of processing and viewing information right like you're going to you're going to see something you're going to look at it and you're going to think about it probably the same way uh, many many times if you have an open or undefined ajna center you usually feel pressure to commit to a fixed opinion But the problem is, is that everybody's opinions around you are coming into your system and you're amplifying them. So you may have all of these different opinions in your mind, or you may seek others out for their opinions, but really you don't have any business doing that, right? Because effectively you're just going to be, it's like taking in way too much information and trying to form an opinion from everyone else's opinions. And it's really just a lot of noise. Like you need to look to elsewhere in your system for how to actually, how you actually feel about something. And it's not necessarily a mental opinion about it. This may result in anxiety because you feel like you're really inconsistent and you may try to overcompensate by basically projecting an impression that you're certain that something is the way that it is like that you feel this way or not. Okay. Next one down, throat center, which is that top square that is right below those two triangles. This is the center for communication, energy, manifestation of ideas into form using the voice. And it's related to the thyroid, which of course makes sense. The defined throat center is all about communication. It's where basically all the energy in the body is expressed. And you know, you, you have a tendency to speak in a fixed way and with a consistent expression. If you have an underthroat, undefined throat center, you usually have an inconsistent voice. You may find that you are doing other people's voices. You take on other people's voices in conversations. That you're taking on different accents, and you have a tendency to believe that you have to talk in order to get attention. That's the kind of bad place that that you can get into when you have an undefined throat center and you've conditioned yourself to a certain way of being. You see other people talk. You see them talk consistently. And you're like, oh, I should do that, right? So you feel anxiety and pressure to speak, and you, re- and you think that that's how you get attention. But actually, your job is to, you know, is to not necessarily say anything until you really feel the need to say something. And you're not, you know, you basically have deconditioned yourself. You're not talking to get attention, you know, which one could say having a podcast where you talk about yourself is a perfect expression of a conditioned throat center christina um, <laughs> but yeah so you know the the answer that the the throat center asks is am i trying to, atta- to to attract attention and so the advice for someone with an undefined throat center who may need to decondition the need to not talk to get attention is to seek attention in appropriate ways to recognize the value in pausing and listening without feeling a need to fill the silence unless something is worth contributing. Next one down, G self center or the identity center, which is the diamond. It's the only one that looks like a diamond. It's the centers for identity, love and direction in life, location of the magnetic monopole, and it's connected to the liver. The magnetic monopole is a really deep human design thing. We're not going to get into that, but The defined G center usually has a pretty sure sense of their identity. They usually have a, you know, they have a sense, a fixed sense of self. Like they understand who their self is and they're very kind of fixed. Like I know who I am. And they're also usually able to express love in a stable and consistent way because they have that sense of self in which they're drawing from love. If you have an undefined G center, you may have an inconsistent identity. And it may be that if you're in a different environment, if you're with different people, that your identity changes all the time. So especially if you get into a committed relationship with a person, you may start to take on their identity instead of of kind of expressing your own sense of self. And they can feel in a bad space. They can feel like they need to grasp onto a specific identity in order to feel secure. So the question that people with undefined G-Centers or open G-Centers asks is, am I looking for love and direction? And it's important to recognize that it's not necessary to actually have to define yourself. The people who have defined G-Centers can define that. They naturally define themselves. They don't even think about it. But for you, if you're struggling to define yourself, you can just stop. It's okay to be flexible and fluid and, and not put yourself into this is the box and this is me and this is who I am. You know, choose to spend time with people who make you feel authentic and good and don't directly or indirectly contribute to your insecurity about your identity, right? Like make it so that you're able to really step into the space of, hey, this is me today, and I'm okay with that. An interesting thing about people with a G center and some, a lot of this I've learned from, from implementing this, implementing this with my children is both, neither of my children have defined G centers. They both have undefined G centers and both of them, um, their environment is incredibly important for how they can eat, you know, all of like so much is the environment that they in kind of determines who they are. And I can recognize when they're in a bad space is that the, their the nature and their, their character starts to change when they're in an environment that doesn't support them. And so it's something that I use as a, as a parent for that. Okay. So the small little triangle that feels like it's totally out of balance with the rest of the body graph is the heart center also called the ego center or the will center. It is the center for ego willpower and values. And it's related to the heart, the thymus gland, the stomach, and the gallbladder. The defined heart center is all about willpower and values and makes healthy commitments. That's what we're talking about. Promises. It can appear stubborn or sort or assertive, um, especially for people who don't have defined heart centers. And the thing is, is that a very low percentage of the world has a defined heart center. I want to say it's like twenty-five to thirty percent. And so it's like actually very few people have defined heart centers, and yet we are like mo- like those super ambitious people or the people who are really motivated to create something and bring it into the world are the people who are consistent or are usually the people with defined heart centers. And 70% of the world is not, right? So it's a very interesting experience with that. So the undefined heart center, if you have an undefined heart center, you may feel pressure to prove or improve yourself it can, that can manifest as feeling like you have a lack of self-worth. Like if you don't feel ambitious or you don't feel like you constantly need to move on to the next best thing and, and succeed and go up and go get promotions and things like that, you could feel, especially in our capitalist society, that you are a meritocracy, that like you aren't worth anything. And so that's just not true. The open center heart, the open heart center question is, is do I have something to prove or improve? And if you have an open center, it's important that you avoid making promises that you're not able to honor, that you will end up, basically you will end up reneging or burning out from an attempt to access willpower that you just don't possess within you. And so you need to use your strategy, which is what we talked about in that first episode to ensure that you can only make commitments that place your value, that that place your value in the values of others at their heart. All right. So we have the Spleenic center. This is the left triangle on the left side. This is the center for awareness, the immune system, time consciousness, and the center for intuition. And it's connected to the lymphatic system. If you have a defined splenic center, it's all about instinct, intuition, and survival. It is our most primal awareness. That's what I was talking about. It's the very first awareness center that ever came about. And so animals have it and trees have it as well. Trees and plants and other things like that. It functions in the moment, it is very, it's the same thing as like a splenic authority. It happens in the moment and it has a developed sense of intuition. It's a very specific intuition. If you have an open or undefined spleen center, you can feel vulnerable, and engage in unhealthy per- behaviors in pursuit of security. You can feel overly sensitive to how other people feel with physical illness in the room or in the space that you're in. So like if your family gets sick, like you may feel sick, but you may not actually be sick at all because you just are taking in their thoughts and they're they're taking in their physical ailments. You may struggle with timekeeping. You may tend to act impulsively if you don't if you have that undefined spleen center, and you might find it hard to know when to let go of things because you're sitting in somebody else's aura who has a defined spleen center and they feel safe even if they aren't. So we have a tendency to stay in abusive relationships for longer than possible because of that. I always joke that I stayed at my job for way too long. It was probably exactly what I needed to, but my boss and my company both had to find spleen extenders, and when both of them dissolved one before the other and one and or left like that's when i was able to leave because i couldn't leave before that because i felt safe when that person was there and when the company was there so it's it's a it's an interesting thing that one of the things that i always say about spleen extenders too is that you oftentimes can't take necessarily the strength of medicine that other people can you can use homeopathic remedies And it's going to be much more likely to work because you have very, very sensitive system to medicine that comes into your body. In fact, I've held prescription medicine and felt the effect of it before. The Open Spleen Extenders question is, am I holding on to what is not good for me? And as an Open open Spleen Extender, the advice is trust your own energy and intuition and learn to let go of things that no longer serve you, including relationships, resentment, clutter, and develop organizational systems to better manage your time. All right, the right triangle, the emotional solar plexus center, this is the center of emotional energy. It's related to the nervous system, the lungs, the kidneys, the bladder, the pancreas, and the prostate. The defined solar plexus center is about mental awareness and emotional intelligence. It undulates and cycles between hope and pain and emotional waves. It takes time and space to consider and evaluate resisting rash decisions And it is often relieved to discover the reason for their fluctuating emotions is simply chemistry. So in other words, oh, my God, my emotions are going all over the place. And recognize that it is simply the natural wave of where you are with your emotional center. So the undefined solar plexus center will absorb and amplify the emotional energies of others, also known as empathy, empath, I should say. They learn not to make waves in order to avoid turbulence and conflict, and they will tend to feel very overwhelmed if they're in an, an emotional situation that is very tense for too long. The question that an open emotional center needs to ask is, am I avoiding confrontation and truth? So as an undefined emotional center, you need to recognize that the emotional highs and lows you experience may be the feelings that you've absorbed from others. With this awareness and emotional clarity, feel empowered to shake them off instead of taking them on as your own and take the time you need to release that negative energy by being in your own aura, grounding. All of these different things are very, very good ways of doing that. Second to last center, the sacral center, which is that upper bottom square. It's a powerful center of life force energy and it's connected to the reproductive organs. If you have a defined cycle center, it's a source of life force and reproduction. It is a response motor center center and regenerates through fulfilling activity. So stuff that it, when it's allowed to respond, it feels great. And it's allowed to respond to things that it actually wants to do. It's very fulfilling. And it can become drained and frustrating by unsatisfying tasks, by initiating when they're not supposed to initiate, by a number of different things along those lines. But it can feel drained and, and frustrated. If you have a defined sacral center, you're supposed to use all your energy before the end of the day because you are meant to wear out your cycle sensor every single day. The undefined sacral center has inconsistent access to life force energy and lacks sustainable energy. It takes on and amplifies the sacral energy around them, and it can indulge in an excess of what is energetically correct for them leading to addiction. So addiction to people, addiction to substances that make it feel as if they have energy because of the fact that they are looking for that vital life force energy. So if you have an open sacral, the question to ask yourself is, do I know when enough is enough? Can I actually stop when I don't have energy for something or I don't have a source of energy in another person or I don't have an invitation if you're a projector? The advice is recognize your limits and avoid taking on more than you can realistically manage or you risk burnout or addiction. And then finally, we are at the bottom, the root center, the lower bottom triangle, the root center. This is again, that pressure and motor center. It's the center for adrenaline, energy and stress and it's linked to the adrenal glands. The defined root center is about adrenal pressure and stress. It moves energy through the body to fuel action. It feels consistent compulsion to be active. And it is a healthy energy if utilized appropriately in activities such as exercise. So that's if you have a defined root center, you are going to feel the pressure of stress and it's going to move into your body as a form of action. If you have an undefined root center, it's an amplification of adrenal stress experience as the pressure to be busy. It can be persistently exploited by the pressures of daily life. Basically, you're thinking that you need to have a to-do list and you need to check everything off because you're trying to look for relief from the pressure of wanting to get stuff done, from the pressure of the motivation and adrenaline of what you feel around you. But guess what? You're not going to feel relief by checking things off on your to-do list. You're just going to create more things until you recognize that it is not you who is feeling this rush for adrenaline. It is everybody around you or the circumstances around you. The open root center question is, am I in a hurry to get everything done so I can feel, be free of the pressure? The advice is recognize that your open center means that it is normal for you to experience adrenaline energy as pressure. Use this awareness to perceive it in a more productive way by allowing the energy of that center to wash over you whilst mindfully releasing excess pressure and consciously relaxing. That was a lot of information, y'all. I appreciate it if you have stuck with it. And I would really recommend. It's a wonderful, wonderful tool. And uh, thanks for listening. Do you feel like you learned anything? Yeah. Well, I
0: think I need to re-listen to the episode holding my chart in hand and really go through it again. And I think what I need to do more than anything is look at my children's
1: and understand my kids a little bit better. Yeah, it's a really good one. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with it. Thank you, Christina. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of This Spiritual Fix. We wanted to give a special shout-out thank you to our Spotify listeners. We just got our wrapped, and we saw how many of you love us. We appreciate you so much, whether you listen on Spotify or anywhere else. Thanks so much. And remember, humility,
0: gratitude, acceptance, done
1: Book a free call with me at www.chriswilsey.com forward slash discover.